This is Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. Jennifer? Richard. Hi, Hi. love. How are you? Gosh, you know, this has been an exciting two-week vacation. So how have you been? What? Did I miss something? (laughs) Was it a vacation? Actually, yes, I've been doing well, but I definitely missed this last week. I'm sorry for totally spaced that I was going to Pelican Hill to play golf. Oh, no, very good, very good. We, You know, it's the people on the flip side that miss you, right? By the way, cheers, everybody. We're It's happy hour today. We are on spring break. Yeah, that's true. I'm yeah. I'm having my tea. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. Um, so we might as well get into the thick of it. We haven't talked to Luana for a couple of weeks, and so let's ask Luana if she doesn't mind coming forward to tell us who's on her list or what's on her list today. What was funny is that she said, "Yes, you have." <laughs> we okay. both talked to her. Yes, you have. Um. I don't know. I just got Elvis Presley. Okay. Let's not judge it. Let's just allow it. So, Lou, is that correct? Is Elvis on the top of your VIP list there? Does he want to come forward and talk to us? Yeah, he wants to talk about your book and music. He wants to talk about the book, Tuning Into the Afterlife. My, out of, and listen, you guys, we were just discussing the fact that you and I are still not tired of each other. After after Seven years. Seven, seven years. <laughs> and we also were discussing the fact that, like, the fact where I met you was listening to one of your books. And then I haunted you on Facebook and said I wanted to donate time. And you're like, yeah, I don't really work with mediums. <laughs> it's true. And it's exactly um, how I sound. He kind of did. I'm like, that's offensive, but whatever. <laughs> um, and then we just, you're like, how would you like to solve the biggest you know, mystery. No, I, and you know, I can tell you that as we were talking, I was trying to be polite to say, you know, it hasn't been my focus. And, and then I found myself thinking like, well, why not? You know, what's the problem? What is your issue? And, and at that moment it was like, oh my gosh, I had spent like 30 years researching somebody who was missing. And Jennifer was saying she works with law enforcement on missing person cases. So why not examine that? And I, dragged my camera down to her office, which she allowed me in, and then set it up. And we spent three hours talking to Amelia Earhart because I had spent three decades gathering intel and research. And it was mind bending because Jennifer was talking about things I had just seen on Saipan, where I had visited a cell where locals, over 200 people claimed that that's where she was incarcerated. Anyway. I love she was. But then I gave you information that you didn't know. Absolutely. Someone called you on the way. Someone yes, called you on the way home. That's correct. Well, is, it, and yeah, very, very strange because we got to the end of our interview and I was thinking to myself, is there any more questions? And you know, part of my brain is thinking, did I, am I making this up? I can't, you know, the reality. And I said, well, so where, what happened to you? Were you shot or beheaded. I mean, these were two things that I'd heard people say, eyewitnesses claim they had seen a soldier, an American. And both of those things had happened to American pilots who had been shot down uh, before World War II on Saipan. But she said, no, I died of dysentery. And I said, died of dysentery. So uh, wh- what happened? What, di- what did they do with you? And she said, you know, they reburied me. They moved my body. 
Right. And I said, uh, and then you said, apropos of no question, you said, she's saying that when those GIs dug up my body, they only found an arm. Now, I had not said to Jennifer, you know, there was this report in 1963 in a book where these two guys, Hanson and Burke, claimed that they had been ordered to dig up her body in the jungle. She, and, Jennifer, you know what, and, by the, and by the way, I didn't know who we were going to investigate until he got to my office. Until I got to the office. Not yeah, only did Jennifer no... draw a map of Saipan and, and showed me where I had been and showed me where I had looked, not only did she do that, but here she says this thing, I'll, apropos of nothing, when they dug up my body, they only found an arm. Now, as I was driving away from her office, the phone rang, and it was an NTSB investigator from Seattle, Washington, calling me to say he had spent five hours with this information, this stuff that had been gathered by a researcher. And he said, Rich, everything is in his information is what you told me about her. But I got to tell you, I saw that when they dug her up, they only found an arm. Literally 10 minutes away from her office. That's you know, and, and your brain just went, um, and then it was took me about six months where I found an interview with these guys in Chicago Tribune, 1977, Hanson and Burke, off camera after the interview, one of them said, you know, when we dug her up, we only found a partial rib cage and an arm. Now, if you think about that for a second, Jennifer didn't say partial rib cage, so she couldn't have gotten that information from the Chicago Tribune. She's getting nor it from would I even th Nor would I even have any wherewithal well, to look. Exactly. Look. I mean, where would you get that from? Right. But, but still, this idea that Amelia herself told us that information, that detail, and that right. it's confirmed later on. So that, that was like a cold bucket of water in the face where I realized oh my god i've met somebody who's like a cell phone to the flip side and then right. it became well i know that people when they work with mediums generally you know they're distraught and they want to talk to somebody and they kind of just clam up and the medium does their best at trying to interpret whatever they're seeing and saying it's and, you know as we know jennifer many times she nails it that but that point is is that some people then come away feeling i don't i'm not sure if i made it up you know blah 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 they go right. through all and, that. and i always hear you know um are you sure you just didn't read my mind <laughs> yeah there you go like that's easy <laughs> if that was easy if that's easy to do um but okay the reason why i said that because i absolutely love how we met but I also love the fact that your book is your last book. I've read, listened to all your books because I really highly recommend. I always, even when people need the book to like touch it, I always tell them to listen to it because of your voice and what it's done for me. Everybody, everybody does things differently. Like if I look at a book, I have so much information coming in that I have to read the first page over and over again. It doesn't work. But when I'm listening to it, like I do spirit and like I do, everything else it comes through and i have to catch it and i'm trained to listen that way that being said i think a lot a lot of people like they always say like you know if you make a website make sure that they can get all the information within 30 seconds or less because of their add <laughs> yeah that's right we right? all have it right and so when you know when you are listening to a book, I highly, like I've sent so many of my clients audiobooks from this book, not because I'm in it, but because it is so great. It is, you take all of our, 
our work and your work outside of it and everything else. You've just made a fantastic book. And I have to tell you something that was really sweet last night. I was ordering something on Amazon and it popped up with books that you also may like. And it was Backstage Pass, number three. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Blakey, look at this. Look at how cool it's popping up. And look at my names right there. <laughs> well, just and, very sweet. and so it is interesting. Elvis, I know we, we know you're standing in the wings here. It's okay. But, but just it was to about give, the book. That's what I wanted to talk about. No, and it, it, to give context. And so Jennifer and I, I mean, I worked as a music critic for Variety for a number of years. So I did meet a lot of artists. I've also worked as a filmmaker. And I met a lot of people that way. And Luana, our person on the flip side, she knew everybody, uh, did over 300 TV shows and films. But that being said, when the first people started showing up in our work together, and mm -hmm. Jennifer and I, we were just sort of trying to figure out, like, well, how, what is this process? And I would film her, you know, prior to Zoom. I would film her talking about these things and having conversations with me in restaurants, cafes, wherever we could go, that we could just hang out, you know, for an hour or two. And it was really, it was Tom Petty who showed mm -hmm. up one day after he had passed away. And I didn't review Tom. I'd never met him. Uh, so I was kind of like, well, what's he doing here? I didn't think Luana had ever met him or knew him. And so I asked a simple question. So what does he want to talk about? Why is he here? And his answer was unusual because instead of answering the question, he said, oh, my God, you have no idea how hard it is to talk to you guys. There's like a line around the block and your friend Luana, she's got the clipboard. And unless you know her, then you don't get through. So she's like the person right. with the the clipboard at the VIP lounge in the back of the auditorium with the red velvet and rope. Right. And just remind everyone, they made that as a joke because there is no, not as a joke on that part, but there is no hierarchy over there. No, no one's famous. There is no there. VIP. Yeah, that's right. There but is no VIP. It was such a funny sentence that, that it became right. the title was, of our, our books, Backstage Pass to the Flip Side. And then, mm -hmm. and just the way Jennifer had approached me, I, I stopped judging. You know, if somebody shows up, do your best to ask them cogent questions about what they. And it, clearly, my interpretation has been not you know isn't like with this line of work everybody expects you to knock it out of the park you have to bat a thousand i do my best but it's interpretation this is what people need to understand sure. too sure. we've shown it over and over again about the interpretation aspect of it well but, and, um, and tom's a good example because we asked him and he specifically said I want you to pass some information on to my family. It was very specific what he wanted us to say. And I said, oh, I don't know your family. I mean, like, how do you expect us? I mean, what are we going to do? You know, post it somewhere? And his answer was something along the lines of, you'll figure it out. And, you know, the kind of guy I am, filmmaker dude, yeah, you can figure that out. How do you? So I did reach out to one of his family members. And I sent verbatim what he had asked us to pass along. And this family member very generously wrote me back and said, thank you so much, I appreciate it. However, I don't think you and your friend Jennifer are talking to my dad at all. And, but <laughs> right. you, have, you have to allow, okay, that's, and so the next time he showed up, it was me saying, so dude, we, I did exactly what you asked and they didn't wanna hear from you. And, and his, his response was, well, you know, eventually they'll understand. Eventually they'll get to this point where you can have this communication. So it's not that Jennifer and I are seeking out famous people. Uh -oh. You're frozen. Just to paraphrase. 
uh, and I don't want to make Elvis wait any longer, but we just talk to whoever shows up and we do our best to figure out what it is they want to say. Now, Elvis, please, you have okay. the floor. Okay. And this is just Elvis Presley and yeah. Richard. Elvis. Elvis. With my, With my chicken scratch. I don't even have my phone. Oh, um, my gosh. Which is fabulous. Okay, hold on. <laughs> He's mentioning the eighth chapter of your book. Do so you have it right there? I do. All right, hold on. Eighth chapter. Do I have a page on here? I don't know. I don't. All right. All right hold on. What's it called? It's called We'll Be Right Back. <laughs> uh, okay. And it okay. comes after. He's, he says it's talking about, I don't okay. know if it's the Beatles. It has to do with the connection to the afterlife, of course. But I'm pretty sure that's your whole book. But yes. it has something. Is that, is that. Is there something where is that where you saying, or you tried to? Is that dealing with? Um, uh, well, let's ask know, him. There's it, a, it is can, it is about somebody that we've interviewed before. Okay, uh, is it and, the recently. Is it anybody? Okay, because he's making me think, or the Beatles are coming through. Can I just They're say there, me, there's a Tom Petty reference in here, just like the story that I just told. Yes, you're correct. The Beatles, okay. George Harrison is in chapter eight. There's a conversation with George. Okay, so they're hey. mentioning what he expressed to me was that you singing the song. So it has to do with you singing Imagine. I know you're talking about George Harrison, but it has to do with you singing. I know that was a later chapter or something like that. It's okay, but... no worries. Okay, so give me a second with that. Um, everyone needs to find their voice, he says. Everyone needs that to is, find their voice. That is what unlocks you as a person, as a spirit. That's what, because when you find your voice, it trails with confidence. How important it is to, hold on, to just do it, just sing, just believe. It's kind of, it's going on those lines, like, just believe. Who cares if you're not a good singer? <laughs> your voice can be in cooking your voice can be whatever you're in like my voice is with carrying other voices um yeah no one wants to hear me sing but <laughs> everyone has a beautiful voice when they're in alignment with who they are very good right? very good because when you're not in alignment with who you who you are you're not understanding how great you could actually be very good. Um, it's fascinating because that, I mean, not, you know, he did mention chapter eight. That's the chapter that I appeared with uh, Merv Griffin. Charles Grodin and I were on the Merv Griffin show. And just yesterday, uh, I got an email from, and mm -hmm. they were able to track down three tracks of Charles Grodin singing uh, a cappella, well, singing, <laughs> singing. An improv where in Paul Simon's studio, they just put on a mic, they put on a track, and Chuck just sang a song. And it's hysterical because it sounds like a real song, you know, but it's slightly out of tune and he it's him doing like big notes. And I was thinking about that yesterday that, you know, it doesn't have to be in tune if it's hilarious. 
And he also did it with Luana. Me and Luana went to a sound studio with Grammy award-winning producer Russ Teitelman, and we recorded Chuck singing. But the reason I was there is I was the manager of Hutch Saxony, which is the, <laughs> the pseudonym that Chuck went under. So Russ didn't know who who it was. Paul Simon had just said to him, Hutch Saxony's coming over, I need you to record something. And so we went into the studio and without without even thinking, he just they hit the track and he just started singing. Improvised hilarious songs. So it made me think of what you're talking about, which is okay. you know, find your voice. Right. You're, it doesn't have to be American Perfect. Idol voice. That'll be great, but find your voice in terms of why you're on the planet and what you want to do on the planet and what your reason for sh showing up on the planet is. And now more than ever, and stop doing from what I'm getting, don't do things because you have to, do things because you want to. Okay. And, and granted, there's stuff like me doing dishes that I'm not very happy about all the time. <laughs> <laughs> or like I just was told that I'm going to San Luis Obispo tomorrow. Oh. There's stuff that's... There's stuff that just isn't, you know, where I don't think I should go, but it Well, that's fun. I, I worked on a movie up there. That was fun. You want to go? I do. Personal best. We went up and shot right. up there. There's a lot of great restaurants up there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick you up at 6 in the morning. A.M.? 6 a.m. <laughs> why, why are you going up there again? Because my daughter, who just had surgery on Monday for her yeah. tonsils, thinks that she needs to be there for opening and she doesn't even know if she's going, she, she got accepted to go there for physics, which is wonderful. Oh, for San Luis Obispo. Wow. And yeah, what's so that? What's it's, it's uh, parents weekend or something or not, or uh, a weekend for them to like, just check out the school more. Oh, that's cool. But listen, no one's going to be up at what time do you want to be there? Nine o'clock. Uh, so I'll pick you up at six. <laughs> I used to drive up there. Many times. It was funny. Really kind of quite an adventure. Anyway, besides that, all right, let's get back to Elvis. Elvis doesn't care about us going up to San Luis Obispo. Great steakhouse along the way. But anyway, Elvis, our friend, what else do you want to talk about? He wanted to trigger what you just said about your voice. Finding your voice. Finding okay. your voice. He says it's so important. He said during the last years of his life when he didn't, he didn't feel he had a voice. He still sang. He still was singing, right? But it's almost like when he lost that feeling for it, a lot of other things ended for him. Let and me ask you, can, you. Oh, go ahead. You can pinpoint it on, he's just showing me my drink <laughs> or whatever. He's just like, but something in me because of that cut me off to regaining my strength back. Very interesting. Uh, we not, we'd like to know his opinion of the movie about him that's coming out soon. It hasn't been released yet. Tom Hanks is in it. Plays. Oh, okay. Hold on. Directed by Baz Luhrmann. They were um, good friends. Or somebody was good friends with him that he knew. I felt like. Hold on. Okay. Oh, it was the person that Tom Hanks. Okay, hold on. Oh, I think Tom, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I know you're right. Uh, Tom did reach out to somebody who knew uh, Colonel Parker. And that person who was a friend helped him with Parker and, you know, do that story. Right. Okay. He said that, <laughs> he's like, it's very accurate until it's not. 
it's very Hollywoodish. Yeah. But he also says he also says that it was the good, bad, and the ugly that needs to get out there. And then he's showing me, you know, the Kennedys and what we've discussed. Um, by the by, the way, wasn't there something that we've talked discussed about the Kennedys? Oh, oh dealing with Marilyn that actually we- just came out now. Um, we discussed it long yes. time ago. Yes, yeah. that's true. Think- no, we did, and we mentioned it in our the process because uh, I I was bouncing around and I asked you that question. There was an article in Vanity Fair where they talked about the you know how she passed away, and it was pretty much note for note what she had told us that other people are involved. Right, you know. and he, he says that. Um, the truth does set you free from here or there, from everywhere. Yes, um, thank you, thank you, Elvis. We've heard that before. It, it makes. But sense. he's also. But but what else is very interesting? He says that there are days where I feel like time. Well, it's because I'm in a, I'm in both worlds at once, where I feel like time does not exist. And we've talked about the essence. The essence is of who you are gets carried through to you to the afterlife. But you get to work on yourself there, here. You get to work on yourself everywhere. This is just like we're in a classroom. They're in a classroom. Like they're learning on the other side how to communicate with us and vice versa. It's becoming more, we're becoming more of, <laughs> that was kind of funny, more of a blended family with the flip side. And the more people understand how normal it is, the more that they're going to be able to realize that it's not just in their mind. Their mind, your mind's there to protect you. Remember that. And it and it's. I understand. It's the idea, the filters that block us, this information right. from us. That's there to protect you. Right. Maybe there's too much. Maybe because you just mentioned AI, artificial intelligence. With artificial your mind. intelligence with your mind. Well, like, I mean, if you think about what he's saying, which is fascinating, right. because it, you're you're learning on the flip side, and people aren't aware of that. We've talked a little bit about classes and classrooms. Your father generously took us to an astrophysics class that he's taken on the flip side, and I've been filming people recently talking to their councils. And in those sessions, some of them, I'll say, are, are you know, are, are you aware of any classrooms? And they take us right to the class, and I go right to the teacher, and I ask questions about what the class is about, what are they teaching, and it's fascinating because, of course, the teachers are more used to this kind of dialogue than than the students are. You know, the fact right. that they can communicate with us because they've been doing it for so long. So, Elvis, are you taking any classes on the flip side? Almost everybody is, but... No. No, you're not. Okay. No. no. All right. Well, <laughs> hold, hold, on, hold on a second. He says he's helping teaching classes over there. How to find your voice. Ah, so you're and more of a teacher. Okay, so you're more uh, right. And what not... hap- right? And what happens when you lose it? What happens when you lose your voice? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, somebody found a. Uh, and that's the that voice is. I'm sorry. No, no. Go ahead. The voice is. <laughs> Voice is uh, coincides with spirit. So voice if you coincides don't have with your voice, frequency. You've been shut, your, your frequency of your spirit. So if you are, if you don't have your voice, you get shut out. You shut yourself off, or you shut like you're not able to be your spirit. You're not able to find your full self to be fully spirited. I guess you can say. We did have this conversation with Prince. We asked him about why he chose a lifetime that had so much 
uh, of a voice. And he told us about a lifetime pre previous to this one where he didn't. Now, I want to ask Prince a question. Recently, actually yesterday, a couple days ago, a news reporter in Minneapolis found footage of you at the age of like 9 or 10 or 11 years old. There was a teacher strike, and they interviewed you on camera. I'm, I'm just curious uh, what your thoughts about that are, so, sir. He says it was fantastic. He said he had those eyes as he did when he was like 30 years old. He was that old. He said he was an old man in a little suit. <laughs> he did sound. You haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. But it is. It's Prince as an old man in a little suit talking about teachers going on strike and how they have rights and there's no reason. And teachers... yeah, he's, he said he had compassion and sympathy and he totally understood, even though he didn't understand. Very good. And of course, you have spoken a little bit about frequency. I mean, you've spoken a lot to us about frequency and about. He's like, <laughs> he goes, I'd like to think I invented it, but no. <laughs> <laughs> so what Elvis was just saying, do you concur? Is that something uh, about finding your voice? Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he, voice represents everything he's showing me. So what voice do you mean by voice? What do you, what is that? What is voice? No, it's you giving your spirit a voice of who you are. So if you, instead of just blah, 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 which I do at times, um, <laughs> I'm giving my spirit a voice when I'm in my Dharma, when I'm in my passion, when I'm in my, when I have my, kindness compassion love when i don't have projections or when i'm not um judging myself or others like you can't judge yourself or others and have a voice with your spirit because that your spirit wouldn't do that so in in let me ask you this so i'm just back to the tuning into the afterlife aspect so singing performing playing frequency string theory pythagoras all of it that's mm -hmm. all related to your voice. Is that correct? Right. AKA your spiritual gangster side of yourself. Yes. Spiritual gangster, did you say? I like that. That's cool. I and did. so and so and so Prince, people will ask, we've talked to you about this before, but are you so still he performing? Just said, yes, but he just showed me that. You can't come, you can't perform unless if you have fear. Like, thank you. They just showed me like one of the things I feared the most was getting in front of an audience and just seeing what comes in. And I forced myself to do it every single week until I was comfortable with it. Now it's super fun for me and I love it. And it's just it's made its own way of doing so many other things um, with my work, you know. But he's saying that fear is one of the things that stops you. You're not in your you, you don't have that voice per se for your spirit, because if you have fear, you're shutting down and you're getting back in your head, right? Mm -hmm. You immediately go back in your head like, oh, I can't do it. Your mind chatter, I can't do it, which of course meditation works amazing for. You just, you'll know when you've succeeded of blending your spirit and your voice, because nothing can stop you with what you do. Only you can. Granted, we have things here called, we need to make a living. We need to do this. We need to do that. Um, but if you keep doing the things that you're supposed to do with your work or with who you are, things are going to show up. It just might not look like for you, for instance, it might not look the way that you wanted it to look. It might be <laughs> writing those, you know, eight books about 
this that you never wanted to do. <laughs> well, you know? and, yeah, it's kind of odd because, you know, I find myself in the midst of writing them and then thinking, what was I thinking? <laughs> right. Where did this but, come from? But what's, what's great, though, about this, we might be, you know, we might be Vincent Van Gogh when we leave, <laughs> where we didn't have any, where things later on will be like, oh, my gosh, they had it. They knew what they were talking about later well, on and no it's true and i listen i because i i remember when we first started talking to luana i would ask mm -hmm. her some questions about like what is her advice from the flip side and, and the word always came back to me was focus and and i remember thinking to myself oh she means focus on one of your films instead of 20 and because i've always had like 20 projects going simultaneously and then it was like well which one should i focus on but i realized now She's talking about a lens, you know, focus, bring everything into focus. So what is the thing that, what's your theme of your life? What are you talking about? The thing that you're trying to focus on, bring it into focus. So if it's talking to people on the other side, if it's helping people like yourself, talk to people on the other side, whatever that is, sharing research, that's the focus that she's talking about. Lou, go ahead. Do you want to weigh in on that? Have I got that completely wrong? No, but hold on. <laughs> she wants to say it. In a, she wants to say it in a different way. I think. Please. But she says that you were you were right. She wants to dumb it up. I guess or dumb it down. Hold on. I've heard this twice. We just can't be so serious about ourselves because when you're so serious, it doesn't leave any room for the coincidences to happen. For you know, definitely do something every day that you love to do. Or for your, I always say this to my clients, I mean, do something every day towards a goal like of work, whatever that is. Like do look, like I always, even though technically I'm on spring break, I'm not, I've been working all week, <laughs> right? right? It just might not be in the formal setting at my office. Like I'm at my house right now doing this, you know, I couldn't wait to do this today, but how many things popped up today? You just have to allow things to happen and know that it's not, they're not going against you. You just have to go with it. So let's dig into that a little bit, Loana. You're talking about leaving oh. space for coincidence, leaving room for coincidence. And so I wanted to ask right. Loana. First, Loana, is there anybody else that you want us to talk to, or do you want to talk about the process of how you guys create coincidence? I feel like it has to do with Chuck. Okay, Charles Groden. Thank you very much. Hold on. Chuck. I know that you just talked to him, so hold on a second. Well, um, I, meant, I mentioned him, yeah. What did you want to say or what does Chuck want to say? Well, Chuck wanted to say something about himself. So hold on. He said, you have to fake it until you make it. He said, you faked it being like a fake person, whatever that name was, where you got into that. Hutch Saxony. Yeah, that's funny. That's so funny. He said, sometimes it takes a little while to believe in what you're doing. For instance, and he showed me myself, like it took me a while to know that I, well, it's all depends on who you ask whether i'm crazy or not whether i was seeing things or not or who i was talking sure, to sure sure it took me a while to understand it and he goes give yourself the right to do that you know right. but but don't limit yourself thank you he just showed me how i call myself an intuitive um and part of that has to do with the fact that i didn't want a cornerstone i didn't want to push myself in a corner cornerstone by the way push myself in a corner that I only am a medium or I'm only an intuitive or I'm only a medical intuitive or I'm only an investigator. Instead, it just covers everything. So try to like, that's why they say voice. 
your voice can be heard in so many different realms, literally, um, with your thoughts, with your actions, with your intentions. Just keep a light heart, he says. If you feel like you have a heavy heart, you're going to feel it. It can even cause, you know, the, you've, thank you. You've heard of stories how people who have lost their loved ones, you know, they die of a broken heart shortly after, you know, people that have been married forever. Um, and he says that you guys do a lot in your dream state. <laughs> well, I can tell you that I was playing him singing around the house. It was great. It was just so much fun to hear his voice. Uh, you know, <laughs> and I, uh, this documentary is being made by a terrific filmmaker about him. So I participated in that. So it's just fun, you know, to share stories about him. You know, we miss him terribly, needless to say, and uh, he's he part it, of our life. He just showed me your wife. And he says that she's had dreams about me too. He goes, don't get jealous, but she's dreamt about <laughs> me as well. So I think everybody dreams about you, Chuck. I think that's just the way of things. Uh, by the way, there was an awful Oscar memoriam where our friend Sally and you were, pictures of you were shown up. People are dancing around on some stage. And that was ridiculous. Sorry. I thought it was ridiculous. Um, they did a little better with the Grabbies, but still. The memoriam part of the Oscars. Is there anybody that has an opinion about that, Chuck? Do you care about anything like that? Maybe or... something like that. Hold on. Well, the whole slapping, where do you recover <laughs> from that? So what, let, let, let's ask our class. Look, we have a lot of people in our class. You he know. says, okay, so he said, let's just put a different person. He says, let's just talk. Okay. You can't explain what happened, he says. We see things from a collective side. So all of his past lives, all of his, his essence from the beginning of time. And he says that came from his essence from the beginning of time of, of whatever it was feeling the need to do that. It wasn't just something that happened right then and there. This was a collective consciousness that he carried up to the stage and did that. Interesting. Um, it doesn't mean it was right. Um, especially not the night that you know we're being because <laughs> nobody's going to care about us dying they're going to be talking about what happened to the what happened sure sure right but i guess the question is also in terms of memoriam stuff when you see that or when you know people are thinking about you of course it's a connection to you because they see a photograph and they remember you know remember you and so we've had we had another people like frank bonner somebody who was in my film you can't really love dean stockwell uh, was in Limit Up. Sally Kellerman, my good friend, we're having a memorial for her at the end of the month. And Chuck, all four of you have appeared in my films, and I was thinking, of my, and you all appeared in this uh, sort of memoriam thing, and I just wondered if it bugged you or any of you guys wanted to weigh in or if you cared about it, one way or the other. They didn't really care. It's Everybody has a different interpretation of how you... Um, grieve? Grieve, and what you hold in your hearts is from their essence. Like... His ex-girlfriend might, he's laughing, might not think that much of him, <laughs> but his wife does. Like whatever it is that you carry with you with that, with each person is what, is what we know about on the other side. We know our true essence. We know who we are Yeah. in totality, not just the time that we were there. So we can sit there and laugh and think it was funny. Um, he said there was a lot of boundaries that were opened up, that opened up you know, for this um, particular year. He says, we're making more headway than not. 
in our film industry of allowing it to be more uh, less inclusive and more right not uh, yeah it's yeah. not a it's not well, a, it's not a hoity-toity club it's you know and every, it's let yeah less exclusivity but i okay, mean so now now he's just showing me the movie uh that sir um Hold on a second. Jennifer was okay. So Jennifer and I can't think of his name right now, but I'll think of it in just a second. Don't um, look up. It's I yes, that's it. That's it. What? Don't How look up. You know don't look yeah. up. Yeah, like reading it on your forehead. Don't look up. And so why are you mentioning don't look up, Chuck? I don't know. They just put that in my head. So give okay, me a well, second. Yeah. <laughs> Lou. I know, I know. That's funny because it's not something I'm thinking about. I clearly didn't even know the name, and I was still trying to figure out what. What? <laughs> oh my god, it's gonna kill me. Well, wait a minute. You guys are up, so maybe don't look up. It's really related to you. Look up. Is that what you mean? It means don't take yourself so seriously. Think about all the fun actors that were in that movie, right? And how it was made on Netflix. None of those actors would have ever done that a few years ago. Yeah, that's right. That's oh, I see. Okay. All of them got so, a chance to get, break out of their roles. Right. right. Uh, but I want to go back to the Will Smith thing for one moment because there was a wonderful thing that Denzel Washington said, which is, who am I to judge? And and so what Chuck is saying here is that when people act in a certain way, there's a totality. They see things, especially when it comes – and look, we can throw in Ukraine. We can throw in all kinds of things that happen to the planet – that from the flip side, they see a perspective that is about all of a person's lifetimes, the many lifetimes they've had. Right. And how, of course. I mean, they actually said that like, he's like, he got off on just that. Yeah. In a different lifetime. In a different lifetime. Was, right. But that's, they're able to see that. They're able to see that. So in a gunslinger era or in an old Western era or this thing of being insulted and being disrespected humans it's humans who do it people on the flip side don't really do it because you guys don't challenge each other when you run into each other do you or do we you? work no we work together to make us stronger because to make oh, us here stronger or over so, there no over there because they said when they're here we actually get broken down in order to be built up again so whether it's with the tribes that you like i was raised mormon you were right you know your wife was raised mormon um to find yourself, you have to have, wouldn't it, like if you had just one way of being here, you wouldn't have all those opportunities of figuring out who you are, right? Yeah. I, it's all, it reminds me of when people join the military, you know, and they break them down, take away all of their stuff so they can become a you know, killing machine. But still that idea of you break, take away all that stuff and then you build up again, you start over again learn right. lessons from all of that that kind of rigmarole so that's fascinating lou who else do we need to talk to or i'm sorry chuck were you were you done is there more well they're they're just showing me you so hold on what i do nothing you did everything right hold on <laughs> it's amelia hold on oh yeah that's why we talked about her in the beginning so it's interesting because we've talked about this even though you you know, left the, our planet back in 1944, but disappeared in 37. All those years ago, for you, it feels like last month. Because the time thing is just completely different. Right. And we've talked about this before, about 
finding a way to tell your story in the best possible way. And I've had, you know, some people look at your story, but what, what avenue besides that one, let me just say, uh, do you recommend, Amelia? I, I mean, is this the right time to tell your story? Maybe it's not. Maybe there's, maybe it needs another 20 years. I don't know. That's interesting because what I'm feeling, it's almost like writing it anonymously from her, girl, <laughs> from her girlfriend's perspective. Right. All right. So you, what you're saying is there's a way to tell your story. It might not be film. It might be a book. It might be something else. I mean, I certainly haven't even tried to tell your story from a book other than our Jennifer and I working together. Right. Like it's, get, it's, gathering, it's gathering her essence. It's like gathering her essence from everything that you've done, everything that you've known, and just writing it from a different perspective. Something fresh and new. Because, you know, every time I've had somebody say, well, gee, it's a shame, you know, we didn't make this film before. Um, and I always say, it's not my fault. <laughs> but anyway, all right, right. Well, I appreciate that. Listen, she, out of anybody, she keeps, she does come back and say to us, come on, guys, don't give up. I know, I know. Don't and I would not, up. believe me, you know that I would not try to say anything. Well, knock on wood, let's just say that we have enough people on the flip side in our class mm -hmm. who, who enjoy this kind of repartee. And they know if we're able to do like a film like, because, you know, the moment I get funding to do this film, I'm going back to Saipan and I'm digging up her plane and her body. And I'll be right there with you. And you'll be right there with me. So, or at least on the phone with you. <laughs> <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? So, Amelia, if you want that to happen, it's just like, let's find the right people to make that happen. Because I know it sounds fantastical. But if you've been listening to us for the past year, you know we are fantastical. Go ahead. What was that? I don't know. She showed me Robert Thurman. Oh, so what did you think of that talk that I gave for Menla, Amelia? All of us loved it. They were all like, you know, listening in on it. She said, we were just like this. Um, for those who don't you know. Repre you represented the flip side so well it'll be hard to keep up with what you've told them <laughs> well like if, I, sure. if i may i did i worked really hard on it but let's just say i, I had a two-hour talk at the conference of living and dying uh, she said everyone ago. loved it over there as well as here but everyone got a lot out of it about what we feel over here and well and so i really i told the history of jennifer and my working together i told the history of my of luana bringing me into this work and then i talked about the science i talked about the scientists who discovered that consciousness is not confined to the brain etc you can find it on our uh, the webpage martinizone.com there it is in its full length two hour unreserved <laughs> whatever that is that right. that story um but I, I think it does. It lays out pretty, pretty much everything that I've learned up and up to date. It's, it was very well said, she says, oh, and she was good. very proud of you because she says you you slept really night, really great the night before. Like you just had it <laughs> all in your head. I think that's pretty funny. That's it a pretty unusual funny. compliment. Well, because you did a good job, but you slept really well. No, I, mean, I get what she's saying, which is does. I. 
No, not being stressed about it and just, right. and, and of course, asking. And this is the other not, thing. I know. And not having fear with it. That's what they're trying to say is that you didn't have fear with it. You just gave the evidence that you've, you know, had fun. Um, gathered and had fun with it. And by you not having fear, and that's another thing you, again, they're saying like, if I had fear with what I did for work, no one would believe what I did for work. Yeah, you know because I mean? they'd always be picking apart whatever thing that you missed well, or didn't say. The, or... the fear is the same energy as as someone keeping something or someone hiding something. When you have fear and people don't understand why, they you know what's your first response? Oh, something must be wrong. Something must not be true. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That right? fear. So Lou, Luana, and of course for those who just turning in for the last time. Uh, Luana is my friend who passed away in 1996. Think about how weird it is that 26 year, years later, we'd be having this ongoing conversation on a weekly basis where she brings new information of what she's learned from the flip side. She's helping people on the other side to communicate just the way Jennifer is helping people here to communicate over there. It's a very unusual construct. But so while Jennifer and I are off working together or whatever, a week goes by, she's working with people, helping, right. talking. So is there anybody else in our class? And it could be anyone, Lou. Uh, Actually, it's Eddie. So I spoke to his mother. It's a capital case in Texas. Um, he was okay. killed. So I, he I was don't killed. know anything about it. But, yeah. but I always, so she races horses. His mom does. I love his mom, um, Sandy, and his dad. and. She races horses and she's the one that told me like, cause I said to her and I don't know much about horses, but I always see myself riding horses always. And it's always a white horse. And she told me yesterday cause they were looking for a horse or this was a while ago, actually that I brought up. I'm like, he says that you're looking for a unicorn. And I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and in the horse industry, the unicorn means is the horse. It's the one that's going to oh, do wow. well. It's the, so I, ever since then, I'm like, you know, I've been called the unicorn, but I just always thought that. Was I know funny. you're a fan of unicorn. Very much so. Yeah. But yesterday she told me, she was just, does the horse have wings? And I said, actually it does. That's the horse that I see myself on. And she goes, well, that's a Pegasus. And she goes, let me tell you what that means. The Pegasus is what takes you into the other world. It's what connects you to the other world. It's a spirit traveler. When you're traveling into the other world, that's where the Pegasus comes in. And she's just like, I was shown that when her, she was shown that as a little kid when her brother passed away, he was, he came in on a Pegasus. And so it was just wow. very fascinating. That just is that what is. I found out yesterday. So I'm like, oh, that makes total sense. I've always seen myself on a horse with wings. I had no idea it's because it's dealing. And I always see myself in a different realm with a horse with wings. Yeah. I had no idea why. So today I was transcribing a, a talk that I had done or a session I had done with somebody. And in the midst of their talking to their counsel, they saw somebody, an angel, somebody like a five-year-old with wings. And so I asked about the wings. I asked about what they represent. I have the chills. I got a Go chill ahead. at the exact moment you did that. Weird. I'm getting it now. But I had the, I had a question about it, and I, and I thought for a moment that maybe you know it was related to this cherub, this this winged cherub that's on the cover of the book. So I asked about this, about the wings. I said, "What do they represent?" And then I asked the person I was talking to, somebody I'd never met before. I said, "Can you go over and touch the wings?" And then she said, "Yeah, I can. They're energy." And I said, "So 
so tell me how how do you what do they represent and this angel said they represent uh, speed of thought you know transportation moving around i said how many realms do you sort of take, keep an eye on she said five so and i thought to myself oh we've heard that before i mean there's of course many more realms but her role is to work in five so that idea of angels and wings yep. it's it's their the idea is their energetic metaphors for how people move from one realm to the next so let me she sent this to me and i gotta read it because this is the first time i'm reading it thank you sandy she says the pegasus could be a beautiful mythical steed that bears your burdens hear yourself and meditate on the issues in life as they they'll be trying to inform you something or give a sign of what is occurring the winged horse can even carry messages from other beings like angels or beings who live beyond us in other realms called the astral plane which is a level of reality that is at a far higher vibration than our terrestrial life if you're facing a dark time in your life pegasus reminds you of the ability the ability of sunshine and goodness to heal us and and to the very core of your being because it is a pegasus who guides you who guides the soul to heaven pegasus may also have brought messages from people who have died or passed before you i'm like this lovely. is crazy <laughs> right no always, not crazy I've never, that's lovely i've never, I've never questioned it so people that's why people are attracted to certain mythical they are mythical creatures because they're not from this realm, but they do exist. In they my do opinion. exist. And we've yeah. done this. We've done this where we've run into uh, mythological creatures and asked them about their journey. And some of them have said, no, I've never incarnated on the planet Earth. I have my own place that I and I, you know, and then we asked, like, well, did somebody have a dream or an out of body experience? And they went to your mm -hmm. realm and they go, yeah, but that's not my problem. <laughs> you know, right. So but I, I mean, in the uh, interviews with people who see members of their council, I've met leprechauns, I've met uh, fairies, mm -hmm. I've met elves, elfin-like people, I've met, uh, you know, people that are like uh, lizard-like, you know, with the eyes that go like that. Anyway, all kinds of different beings. And if we just take judgment off the table and just allow that we don't understand everything that's going on, but we can ask questions about everything that's going on. And then we can get some really unusual information. Lou, what else? Anybody else that we need to talk to today? No, they all left. <laughs> they all left. Oh my God, they got a bigger, better deal. I <laughs> No, she just says, she goes, the Pegasus was really important and the timing couldn't have been more perfect because I just, she sent this to me today. That's you know, great. that's great. And I talked about last night. I've never questioned it. That's the thing. I've never questioned it. I've always, ever since I started venturing into this work, which I don't call work, but into this, into my voice. This ever world, since yeah. I started, ever since I started showing up with my voice with the spirit world, the Pegasus has always been there. And I just have never questioned. It. I'm like, oh, it's my spirit animal. Oh, it's that. But when she's like, no, Jennifer, that's. That's where you go into the other into the ethers. The Pegasus well, takes you there. And it seems like an actual uh, metaphor that exists. So Luana, let's ask, maybe ask you, have you ever seen a Pegasus? And it's okay if you have not, but have you? She has a barn with a bunch of them in there. <laughs> she just showed me a ton of them. 
like around. She said that really? they walk around like people here. And so then, so uh, and uh, are we correct that they represent this travel energy, realms? just energy. like angels, just yeah. like angels? Wow, very good. They're like the FedEx of the spirit world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's too good to not note. The FedEx of the spirit world. I love that. I mean, we, of course, one of these days we'll interview a Pega. Pega, what's the singular? Pegasi, Pega, Pegasus. We'll interview one of them and ask them about their journey, but yeah. it'll drive people crazy right now. But let's suffice okay. to say, let's thank everybody. Let's thank Elvis. So we'll let thank everybody. Amelia, thank you so much for propping us up and keep saying that we tell your story because of course we love your story. It's so a different perspective. Make it exciting. Make it, you can make, it's almost interesting, fiction or nonfiction. Why not just give it, why not make it, fictional by telling a non-fictional story still it's that idea of finding a way in to tell her story someone will and it might be me uh, thank god that would be great but if it's not it's okay it's more important that people hear you i story. still see us inside fan it might All be right. 10 years from the time that we talked about it but yeah I well that would be lovely that. i you know i yeah it's i it's a weird thing for me to say aloud and but based on the fact that we've been doing this successfully for seven years uh i'm i have no doubt in my mind i know where her plane is or pieces i right. know where she is buried or she pieces. just put she just put george nori in my head so whatever that means well george likes to talk about her and in fact i was on i was called on the show just last week they called me in the middle of the night and they said you, you got an hour and i was like yeah and then they introduced me as the guy who talks to amelia so amelia maybe that's it i didn't hear that i didn't there know you go. i know you did not awesome so all right, all right. we love you thank okay, you so much we... guys thank we'll you, see everyone. you next week we made up for last week yeah that's right very good all right thanks so much bye bye this has been hacking the afterlife podcast with jennifer schaefer for more information jenniferschaefer.com martinizone.com or richmartini.com. Hacking the Afterlife documentary is available on Gaia.com via Amazon Prime.